0: very excited to welcome Stacy Ponder. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm well. I'm happy to be here.
0: Me too. I was trying not to fangirl when you actually said yes. I guess a, a bit of background on my unbeknownst relationship to you. I first started reading Final Girl when I was just getting into horror criticism. So I was reading Your Sight and Camp Blood and oh, that was kind Camp of how Blood. I started to figure out that there was a bunch of queer stuff and a bunch of old slashers that I didn't know of so
1: oh wow oh that's awesome oh man camp blood's so great
0: yeah I miss it a lot
1: (laughs) I know I know there's so many great old blogs that just stop. I mean you know final girl's been kind of intermittent in the last few years but back in the day there were so many interesting horror blogs out there
0: that's true, but you, you had to kind of discover them on your own because we didn't really have people sharing stuff on Twitter and other social media.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, those were the days. Those Real were days. The
0: days. <laughs> 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 okay, well, in the off chance that people are not familiar with you and your work, uh, can you give us a quick 30-second bio?
1: Sure. Well, I'm a writer and artist with a focus on horror. My blog, Final Girl, at finalgirl.rocks, has been around for longer than i get. <laughs> I get people who are like oh i read that when i was in high school <laughs> and i'm like and not then helping i, I t- turn to dust and i blow away yeah and i co-host a podcast called gaylords of darkness which is sort of it's about horror through the queer lens uh that i have and that my co-host anthony hudson has so yeah I think yes. that's, a, that's about it probably
0: I must say, I've been very much enjoying the podcast. It's like being privy to a very personal conversation where the two of you laugh for about an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: I know. It's definitely not one of the more scholarly podcasts that's out there, but I think that's it's fun to do. I don't know what it's like for listeners, but we have a really fun time doing it. So,
0: Yeah, you two just have such a great camaraderie.
1: We've never met in person, Anthony and I. We only know each other online, but we just, I think, yeah, we hit it off and have that sort of vibe together that allows for some pure insanity on the show, so.
0: Sometimes it's the best connection, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, so let's dig into your past a little bit. Have you always been a horror fan, and how did you get into writing about it?
1: Yeah, I have been a horror fan for as long as I can remember because my mom was a big horror fan. And so she introduced me to a lot of the old Hammer films, all the old... She was totally into Christopher Lee, so all the old Hammer Dracula films, I got to watch those, and, like, Creature Double Feature on the weekends, and my parents just started taking me to the drive-in back then, so... Oh, fun. Yeah, so when I was a little kid, I got to see, like, a lot of horror movies at the drive-in, like Poltergeist and basically every slasher film. I just kind of saw it all and I just fell in love with it. The George Romero zombie movies were off limits cuz they were too gross. <laughs> they oh, were off really? limits. For, yeah, they thought that those would be too much for me. But <laughs> otherwise, they pretty much I could handle it so they let me watch everything. And then I back in gosh, 2005, I guess, when blogging was kind of a new thing, I had an internet friend who had a was part of a horror blog and I thought Oh, well, I can do that. <laughs> and I, I kind of looked around at the offerings that were available, and really nobody was covering slasher films. And since I thought I knew a lot about slasher films, I decided to cover them. Literally, I just started Final Girl for the heck of it. And here we are.
0: <laughs> and here we are. Now, it's interesting. Reading the blog, I always got the impression that your favorite franchise was Friday the 13th, because you ended up publishing a almost like a graphic novel of all of the different deaths, right?
1: Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I, that started on a whim. Um, <laughs> I guess I do a <laughs> lot of things on a whim. <laughs> oh, God, I should have thought of a better answer that's like, no, this has been my career goal for what? Instead of just like, I don't know, I just thought I would do it one day. <laughs> but um, I think probably overall, it became my favorite franchise. I've always loved Friday the 13th Part 2. I've always thought that was fantastic. And Part 1 as well. But some of the latter ones are just, I mean, they're garbage movies. But I decided to do this art project that was illustrating all of the deaths in the entire series. And so to do that, I had to re-watch the films and really pay attention to them. And I feel like now I know that series inside and out <laughs> like more than anything else I know in my life. Even some of the bad ones grew on me, eventually.
0: I think between your coverage and then listening to the Kill by Kill podcast, I, I thought I knew the series, and then I realized I was misremembering about half of them. <laughs> yeah,
1: they start to blend together, eventually. And I think my feelings about some of them are just pure Stockholm Syndrome. Like, I just... <laughs> had to expose myself to them so much i'm like no part five is really great (laughs) it's like i don't know that that's true but
0: roy's totally amazing
1: yeah (laughs) he's better than jason but it's it's interesting to to really examine the entire series and just watch the evolution of it and you know kudos to the people behind the franchise they tried new things that didn't always work but you know there's so many films into it they're like yeah we'll go to space now oh now we'll go to manhattan for like five minutes in a movie called jason goes to manhattan you know it's just like (laughs) they'll do anything and i really admire that
0: yeah it's interesting comparing some of the 2000s and aughts franchises where the risk-taking isn't there each film is just literally like every saw movie every paranormal activity they're they're all just very much of an ilk
1: yes yeah for sure or like you look at the halloween franchise and it's it's just i mean oh gosh (laughs) 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 it's so bad but friday the 13th and probably a nightmare on elm street are the two that really tried to do new things so it's gotta be hard coming up with ideas for like oh god we're on the ninth movie like what do we do now (laughs) You know. how
0: do i do something that produces a product that gets me a paycheck
1: exactly and friday the 13th is like well let's make jason a you know phallic shaped alien monster that can jump from body to body obviously like that's where you go
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's nowhere else we have to go
1: else to go yeah so
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right so we're chatting in advance of women in horror month which occurs every february and i'm wondering what does this month mean to you
1: Obviously, it's a chance to spotlight films by, about, starring women. I think Women in Horror Month, to me, has really evolved over time. When it first started, which is quite a while ago now, when it started, it was kind of... uh, You always heard about the same films. You know, it would be a list of, oh, here's some women who directed horror films. There's Pet Cemetery. there's Near Dark... Uh, it's kind of those are the two big ones, right? And then they'd mention a few other, like Roberta Finlay and Doris Wishman and people like that who are lesser known. But it just kind of felt like we had a small group of actresses and films to work with. Whereas at this point, it's like women-driven horror has shifted into the mainstream. And that's what feels really different to me. The Women in Horror Month is kind of just horror month at this point. Mm
0: So that's, that's an interesting point. So a couple of other people have talked about the importance of the month and then a couple of individuals have almost lamented the fact that we continue to contain it to a single you know, 28 to 30 day spread. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: I think it's never gonna be a bad thing to shine a spotlight. It's the same thing with say um, gay characters in a film or something. It's like the idea is that everybody receives equal treatment but are we there yet (laughs) kind of do we still need the spotlight it's like uh let's say you're at a convention and there's the panels you know all of the the film panels and one of them is women in horror Mm -hmm. it's like what's more helpful is just taking women directors and putting them on the panel with the other film directors you know it's are you ghettoizing women by doing this or are you just what are you what's the goal i guess Right.
0: Well, I think the difference too is that this is actually also coordinated by women. So I think it's a lot more thoughtful. It's making a more concerted effort to not just do that tokenism.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. The fact that it is very women-driven and things like I don't know if the Sasuke sisters are still doing their blood drive.
0: I believe they are, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, just things like that that if there's some activism involved. It's not just like list your top 10 scream queens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, which I love. Like we all love scream queens, and you know, so they deserve the spotlight too. But it's it's definitely about more than just yeah. Here's your top ten final girls kind yeah. of thing.
0: Please do more than just provide a listicle.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, the internet loves lists, though. They really do. They're they're a scourge. They're a scourge.
0: Indeed. Yeah. Speaking of, like, how horror coverage has evolved for better and worse.
1: Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, like, side note, I used to write for AMC back when the internet was this kind of wild west, and websites were like, yeah, we'll pay people money to write for us, and then the websites were like, wait, we're not earning any money on this. (laughs) We're literally just losing money. And they wanted to transition to lists. That's what gets the clicks, still it's crazy but people like to argue you know
0: yeah i think anything with a ranking right
1: yeah everything with a ranking oh you forgot this film you forgot that film and you know now the time of year when we're recording this that best of the year stuff is coming out and i admit i've read some best of the year lists and not seen things i wanted to see Mm -hmm. and i felt that i felt that fury
0: (laughs) and i feel like we're gonna get to that in just a couple of minutes
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't leave comments on things, but I, I get it. You
0: know. That internal monologue.
1: What the <laughs> You call this a list? I'll show you a list.
0: Okay. So what are your thoughts on the contemporary state of the genre right now, Ben? It sounds like you feel like there's been some progress.
1: I feel like there's been a lot of progress. And I actually feel really good about the genre, where it is now. Like I said before, women-driven horror is really at the forefront for the last couple of years. Whether films are made by women or starring women, you know, some of the biggest films in the genre for the last few years are about women. And I don't know that that's ever happened besides maybe a one-off. Like the movies that people are talking about, Hereditary, Babadook the Witch, to stuff like Annihilation, Thelma, Queen of Earth, all these movies are just centered on women and it's... I love it so much (laughs) because it's like they're just a part of the genre now. They're not like a special interest sort of film. They're just the new horror film that's playing at the theater and people are going to like it. People are not going to like it, but there are more and more stories out there about women.
0: Mm -hmm. It's just so odd to me. Like, I don't know if I've always approached the genre a little bit different as a person who identifies as queer. I feel like all of my most memorable memories and films are all like women-centric and maybe they're not always the best examples i mean talking slashers there's not always a great plethora or diversity uh, or even depth to some of the roles but i don't know like i you know i think of rosemary's baby i think of carrie mm-hmm. i think of all these really seminal texts that people hold up like even the exorcist the, the exorcist <laughs> is reagan's movie mm-hmm. and yeah i think it's fascinating and i'm so happy that it does seem like women are at the forefront of the genre but it it often feels to me like they were there and just not getting their due for so long before and maybe now it's like a bunch of stupid men who are just catching up
1: right i think that's very true i think horror even though like you said so many of the seminal films are about women it's always just been a genre for the dude bros You know, whether that's true or not, because there's always been women interested in horror. I mean, my mom was one of them, you know, and she still loves horror movies. And she taught me everything she knew. And it's been the realm of the queer viewer. And so we kind of had to identify with the final girl. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you ask a person who's not into genre, like into the genre, what do you think of when you think of horror? They're going to think of extreme violence and dude broke type stuff yeah because the superstars of the genre are the killers they're the ones that everybody knows even if you don't know horror movies you still know who freddy krueger is you still know who jason is
0: yeah particularly after the 80s right i mean really i think for a lot of people horror is actually just synonymous with slasher films which is also so odd
1: yeah (laughs) it's i think that's when horror movies became blockbusters were in right. the 80s because the slasher genre is sort of marketed towards teenagers mm-hmm. and young folk and they're the ones who were going to go to the movies you know, yeah time they were time again. a
0: reliable source of income
1: <laughs> exactly and you know at some point the sort of audience empathy switched from the victims to the killers yeah and and that kind of has done weird things to the genre at times (laughs) you know we went through that late 2005 to 2010 maybe was the real dude bro era of horror
0: good old torture porn
1: torture porn extreme killings And, you know, the women were just sort of topless victims, I guess. And that's still happening. And there were some gems during that time period as well. But
0: Yeah, it's the danger of painting an entire genre with a broad stroke, right? There's always little highlights and little gems to be sought out.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, if there's one genre not to be painted with broad strokes, it's horror. Because horror can be so many different things. I have a friend who we've repeatedly had a conversation where she's like, how can you love horror movies so much? Why do you love to watch women get killed? (laughs) And I'm like, well, you're begging the question there. But, you know, that's not every horror movie. No. At all. You know, something like the Slaughtered Vomit Dolls and (laughs) The Haunting are both horror movies, but...
0: Very different.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, one of them I want to marry. One of them I don't want to be in the same room with. And I'll let you figure it out. But
0: <laughs> I'm shocked that you hate the haunting so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we talking the 1999 haunting? Because that <laughs> might be true. That might be true.
0: Yes, if if no one has listened to Gay Lords of Darkness, I strongly encourage you to listen to Stacy's rant about the 1999 haunting. <gasps>
1: I've tried so many times with that movie and we're just never going to see eye to eye. It's just not going to work out. No, it's, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> it is head. something. Okay, <laughs> pivot, pivot. Um. <laughs> so thinking about some of these unheralded gems or the ones that kind of stand out to you, what are some films that you think people haven't paid enough attention to or that they should be seeking out? And it can be new or old. <sighs>
1: New or old, boy. you know, we just did an episode recently about telekinetic ladies who have films named after them, mm-hmm. you know, like Carrie is the most obvious one, yep. but then we talked about two follow-up films, a film called Jennifer that came along in 1978 and a 2017 Norwegian film, Thelma,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I highly recommend both of those, especially Thelma. They're just fantastic women-driven films. They're like power fantasies, unlike Carrie, who ends up dying under the rubble of her own home at the end, <laughs> thanks to her crazy mom. You know, it's women embracing their power, figuring out who they are, and just being the amazing telekinetic queens that they were meant to be.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had never heard of Jennifer, so that was all new to me.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a little gem for something that was intended as a Carrie knockoff. Uh, It really is its own thing, for sure. And it kind of takes that victim status that Carrie White had and it flips it around. And Jennifer just raises the snakes. (laughs) 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 And, and, uh, you know, she's living her best life at the end of the film, so... She
0: goes off to vet school.
1: (laughs) Exactly. She's got her snake powers and her Christian nightgown, and she's ready to go.
0: Uh,
1: Gosh!
0: (laughs) (laughs) If only we could all aspire to so much.
1: Yeah. No kidding. God.
0: okay well let's get to your your main event so in anticipation of valentine's day and women in horror month i asked you to select a film that you wanted to highlight and you chose i think it's the most contemporary out of all of the picks and that is suspiria from last year so why why did you pick Suspiria? I mean, I already know, but I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to like turn it over to you, and I'm going to walk away. I'll come back in 30 minutes.
1: And... <laughs> come back tomorrow. I'll, st- I'll still be going on. And another thing about Suspiria, it honestly...
0: <sighs> like, it rocked your world, didn't it? It
1: rocked my world so hard. Like, I have not had this experience with any movie never mind a horror film in a really long time where it just i felt like it saw my soul (laughs) (laughs) as i was gazing at the screen Suspiria was gazing back and there was just some weird connection there like parts of it honestly felt like a religious experience for me Mm. it just blew me away it it blew my face off completely. I have no face anymore. (laughs) It's still, I mean, I saw it a couple of months ago at this point, I think, and it's, I still think about it all the time.
0: So what kind of things captured you? Was it particular scenes, performances, the technical elements?
1: Uh, Wow, all of the above. (laughs) For sure. You know, I was, I'm obviously a fan of the original film. Like, who isn't? really it's i mean
0: people who like plot i think yeah, don't yeah. always care for
1: it <laughs> that's true i think even from just uh an artistic standpoint it's worthy of being in the hall of fame for oh, sure 100 percent. the score yeah.
0: alone like the gives score me alone
1: the visuals jessica harper like and the new film kind of took that small 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 nugget of a plot with the um the story of the three mothers the witches and the dance academy and all that and just they made something completely new they gave it meaning they gave it an actual story Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's about art it's about women it's political it's just it's everything there's so much to the movie that i could literally spend like the next week just talking about it yeah
0: so I'm sure that you found this if I remember correctly you and Anthony had a brief discussion about do you feel that there's a gendered reaction to this film?
1: I do. For okay. sure. For sure. I mean not not exclusively. I do know some women who just it did not work for them. They thought it was boring and too long and all of this. And I've seen some gay people, too, who are not into it, thought it was a big pile of garbage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think if you really looked at the numbers, it's very straight men. They didn't connect with it in the same way, necessarily. And I think that's fine. Not every movie is going to speak to every person the same way.
0: No. And particularly, I find the, the last couple of years, the films that get held up on high as being more cerebral more intense more i want to say insular like they're they're very much focused on the interior lives often of women those seem to be very polarizing so a lot of the ones that you were talking about like the witch like hereditary and like suspiria but then part of me is like but these are also all female-centric films and it often seems like it's just a bunch of dudes being like well oh, i don't understand this movie this movie's garbage *Halloween* mm-hmm. so good
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, so often what they'll do is they'll just make the argument like it's not scary. You know, first of all, as if that's not subjective. Second of all, (laughs) you know, something like there are times when I want to watch a horror movie simply because I want to be scared. I want to experience that. But quote unquote, scary isn't all there is to horror.
0: Mm hmm.
1: You know, and I think that's why it's difficult because first of all, you have the marketing for all of these things that are like, it's gonna blow your mind with how scary it is. You're never gonna be the same. And then people go watch it and they're like, I wasn't scared at all. You know, you have that problem and you have the problem of horror, the big umbrella that you have Halloween H4O on one hand and you have hereditary or Suspiria on the other hand and they're two very different films but they're the same genre and might attract the same crowds
0: Mm -hmm. you know which we never have a problem with in dramas or action films but apparently before it's like oh well if it didn't you know scare me shitless then it's not a horror film
1: right exactly like oh there weren't any jump scares (laughs) <laughs> <You
0: know>? heaven <laughs> like, okay. forbid
1: heaven forbid there were no jump scares and no creepy ghosts behind the door or whatever people expect the conjuring every time they go to see a horror film certain horror fans that's like what they're looking for and you're not going to get that in suspiria no
0: no not at all
1: not at all Cause so. It's,
0: it's so deliberate in everything that it's doing i think that's one of the other challenges that people had with it is the pacing can at times feel so slow. And it's obviously deliberate, like there's a reason the cut is a certain length. And there's a reason that there is all of the political backstory and the the links to concentration camps and all these other things. But it often feels like people looked at those subplots and said, where are the scares? How come that's right. in here? Why hasn't this been cut for pacing and time? And
1: yeah, oh, I can see if you're not in it, like if you don't fall into the world of Suspiria, I can see where it's probably pretty torturous, because <laughs> it is—it's a long movie. Yeah, it doesn't feel long to me, but I can understand that argument for sure. You know, there are people who think the whole subplot with the Doctor Klemperer is completely unnecessary, or the real-world politics—like they just wanted a lean, mean, dancing machine of a horror movie. <laughs> 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 you know like that was all they wanted was the stuff in the academy yeah and to me like i understand that but i definitely don't agree with it fair all the subplots i think serve the main plot completely and it's just a really dense movie with a lot to say
0: mm-hmm. and you saw this two times
1: uh, four times <laughs> 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 Excellent. Yeah.
0: I, so I only saw it once, but I saw it opening weekend, so I'm very susceptible to hype. So part of it was when I've been trying to reconcile the way that I think about it and the things I like and don't like, I have a difficult time remembering it, but I feel like it's the exact kind of film that requires multiple viewings.
1: Oh, for sure. Absolutely. The last time I saw it, I was still finding new things and having new sort of epiphanies and... Maybe this means this. Is this what this is? Like, what does this shot mean? What does that shot mean? Like, still (laughs) discovering things. And that's what I love is when I can really dive in and keep unraveling a movie. And then to have it also... Sometimes you can do that and it's a really cerebral exercise. You know, you can analyze a film, but it doesn't affect you on an emotional level. (laughs) But Suspiria really did. It just completely, 100%, I am under its spell. (sighs)
0: But yeah, I, it really does sound like almost like a religious experience.
1: I think so. That sounds weird because I've never really felt that way about a film before. Even like my favorite films didn't affect me on that level. Wow. But it just yeah, I'm ready to sign up for that for those dance classes. <laughs> 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 I'm moving to Berlin. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ah. <laughs> uh. Wonderful. Do you have any other final thoughts on Suspiria? Things that you wanna share? I mean, you did what, almost two hours on it with uh
1: (laughs) with the podcast. I know, and you know, Secret, here's a little preview is when it comes out. Well it should by the time this airs it'll already be out on Blu ray. So we're probably gonna do another episode. We'll I mean, never hear from you again. You'll, just, <laughs> yeah. you'll be found dead in
0: your home, just a Suspiria on a loop.
1: Sunset Boulevard, like, that's me, just watching Suspiria over and over. Because Anthony's seen it even more than I have, I think, at this point.
0: Oh, he gets to work in a movie theater, that's no fair.
1: I know, I know, living the life. Yeah, but it's just, I think it's, uh, it has, it's just a statement about art, like, as someone who writes and makes art it really spoke to me on that level i think it's a beautiful coming out story
0: Mm -hmm. it's a love affair
1: it's a love affair it's you know a woman claiming her power and being who she was always meant to be and it's just a beautiful work of art i think the dance performance that they do at the end the volk performance just
0: oh it's hypnotic
1: it's really hypnotic it's really hypnotic Just got shivers. Performances are amazing. I just adore it. I just adore it. It rocketed to the top of, like, my favorite horror films. Um, Which is crazy, right? When you think about all the films that you've seen,
0: you're like, how is a new film cracking that top five, top three, like, top Yes,
1: And it's a remake of a classic. Like, I don't think that's ever happened before. (laughs) Like, there are some decent remakes out there, but... Not you, (laughs) Haunting1999. Not you, Nightmare on Elm Street (laughs) 2010. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, but there's so many that are just garbage. So I just was not... I was expecting to enjoy it because, like, feminist witchcraft is, like, sign me up. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm all about... Like, give me more, more, more.
0: And having a renaissance right now, it seems.
1: It really is. I don't know if that's because The Witch was popular. I think maybe that sort of ushered it in, but... There's never been enough witches. So they're getting a little spotlight right now, and I'm fine with that. Indeed. I was predisposed to like it, but I had no idea I would fall in love with it.
0: That no. truly is a <laughs> it's a Valentine's <laughs> wish come true. It
1: is. It is. I'm gonna buy it a box of chocolates. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thanks again. And before I uh, let you go, how can people get in touch with you? Because you're also one of the few people I know who are not on Twitter.
1: That's right. I'm not on Twitter. But I am on Instagram. I don't know if that's a good way to reach people or not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I am on their Instagram slash final girl grrl. My blog finalgirl.rocks. Send me an email, I guess? Stacy Ponder and Gmail? I don't know. Oh my god, that's horrible. How do people reach me?
0: Oh no, the email's fine. I'm just like, but only if you're, you know, kind and you've got something interesting to say.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. No weirdos, please. Well, I mean, weirdos of a certain stripe are fine. <laughs> right. But look, I used to have this one commenter. He commented a lot. And he would always talk about how much he wanted to resurrect the body of Heather O'Rourke. The little girl from Poltergeist who died when she was, like, 12, he wanted to resurrect her, and then the three of us could get married.
0: <laughs> <Literally>. Oh, my.
1: <laughs> yeah. So don't do that.
0: No, don't be that guy.
1: <laughs> don't be that guy. But, uh, yeah, final girl, not rocks. I guess. I'm on Facebook, but...
0: Ugh. No, no. <laughs> And listen to the podcast, obviously. Uh,
1: yes, and listen to the podcast, Gaylords of Darkness, uh, Gaylords of It's on iTunes and all of the podcast places. <laughs> We're so I'm so bad at this kind of thing. Uh.
0: Uh, all right, well, yes. So all of those places, Instagram and podcast Phil.
1: Yeah, I would say the podcast is probably the big one. And final girl.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, thanks again.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs)